Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Inside centre in Scotland again. Blue Woods given to it now. Hugh Jones. Hugh Jones still shrugs up one man. Jones still going. Looking for support. It's there for Maitland. Scored by Sean Maitland. Made by Hugh Jones. And Scotland hit back in style. Hello and welcome to episode four of the Thistle Rugby Podcast, the only rugby podcast that cares about Scottish rugby. And there is an amazing, strange feeling in the group this week, and that is because Scotland have won. Alan, how are you feeling about it? Relatively unfazed emotionally. <laughs> well, that is unsurprising from the most negative man uh, who talks about Scottish rugby. Matt, you must have a bit more positive outlook. Yeah, yeah, a lot more positive. Glass half full kind of guy. So, yeah, maybe it wasn't perfect, but we got the win. So, and yeah. we are now up to seventh in the world ranking because Australia did us a favour and um, beat France. So that's looking uh, looking nice heading into the, uh, the the World Cup draw next May. Now, welcome back, guys. You can follow us on uh, Twitter at uh, Thistle Rugby Pods, and you can download us on iTunes and the Acast podcast app. And if you're on iTunes, please do leave us a five-star review. As we've said before, um, other stars are available, but if you don't leave us a five-star review, we won't read them out, like this one from our fan WP McNell, <laughs> <laughs> which we quite like. 
He says, um, after he or she, actually, sorry about that. Um, after years of having my team patronized or relegated to being mentioned for 30 seconds on lesser rugby podcasts, it's great to hear knowledgeable guys discussing Scottish rugby in depth with the respect it deserves. And that was five stars from WP McNeil. Thanks a lot, WP. Great to hear from you. And uh, there's a few others on there, so please let us know uh, if you like what we're doing. And uh, we love hearing from you on Twitter as well. Again, that is at Thistle Rugby Pod. Now, we're just going to have a chat about the uh, the games at the weekend before getting into our sort of three thistle issues of the week, which are, one, what did we learn in the match against Argentina? Two, what are we hoping to learn in the match against Georgia coming up this weekend? And then we're going to have a bit of a chat about um, project players and whether they are a success for Scottish rugby. And then after the roaring success of uh, our first week, um, we're going to have Alan's sure thing, which paid out this week. Yeah, if you uh, put £20 on an Australia-Scotland double, looking at a handy £35 profit. Wow. <laughs> Wowee. Now, that is big money. Your investment trusts are just not paying out like that at the moment. So Yeah, low interest rates. You've got to look for these. It's the, it's the, it's the quest for yield. Yeah, you know, that <laughs> incremental gains. You know, so. Okay, well, we'll be getting into the Scotland game in a lot more detail uh, later, but why don't we chat about very quickly about all the other rugby this weekend. And um, South Africa being humbled by Italy and Florence. What did you guys make of that? Yeah, well, it, it seems as if South Africa is sort of all over the place at the moment. So, well, um, Italy, sorry, would have really seen this as a, a big chance to beat them, obviously having Conor O'Shea coming in as well. Um, and I didn't see the game, but saw the highlights, and it, it just seems as if Italy sort of kept to their strengths of a, a big pack, but you don't normally see South Africa getting sort of out-muscled up front. So, yeah, it's interesting times for South Africa rugby at the moment. I, I don't really know where they're going, and this is they've definitely hit bottom now, so... I'm not sure what they can can do to change things. Do you think there's an there's an issue with the whole South African coaching setup? Like the players just aren't playing for the badge because as that team, the players they have with Habana, Delande, Lambie, Whiteley, Alberts, I know they're missing um, Estebe, but they are really really good players who are world class. And they should be knocking yeah. Italy off the park 99 out of 100 times. No. And maybe it's just, I guess it's the end of a long season, but it just doesn't yeah. seem like they're as up for these games. Against England, they seem to drop their heads quite a lot. I, I think it's the coaching. I, I think they've got guys who are just out of their depth. Um, and the, the messages are really mixed. And I, I think there's been quite a big issue um, this year with the Lions coming second in the Super 15 yeah. and doing so by playing a very sort of un-South African style of rugby with likes of Faf de Klerk and Yanchis, you know, playing really open, expansive rugby. And then South Africa trying to move to that style, but still picking guys from the Bulls and the Sharks, for example, who are more forward-orientated. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, and then since then, they lost a few games and they just retrenched to this style, which I just think nowadays is, is outdated. Right. It is. It's a bit, a bit of a shame. I wish Scotland were playing them in this sort of uh, in this group. It would have been a good one for us. I think we would have, um, yeah, would have done them, and that would have been nice for some world world ranking points <laughs> as well. Um, and uh, well, Australia, who obviously we lost to by a point uh, last weekend in uh, devastating circumstances, they went down and uh, eked out a win um, against France. What does that sort of tell us about where we might be? Um. It's always quite hard with France. I, I know last week they sort of put away Samoa, 
But I mean, Samoa lost to Georgia, so yeah, you never. <laughs> there's not really too much you can say about that. I mean, again, the France team has the potential to be the best in the world. Yeah, it's yeah. unbelievable. The, yeah. the players that they have are unbelievable, and it's just sort of getting them to click. Yeah. I mean, Australia have always had a good record against France. Yeah. yeah. So I, d- I don't think, to be if I'm honest, I don't think it tells us that much. The the one thing I'd say is from watching it that the France tries were all sort of old school French tries. It was a lot of flair. It was like, you know, yeah, yeah. bring Fafan onto the ball. Vakatawis just makes things happen whenever he gets the ball. So there's maybe some positive signs that if France can start playing that kind of rugby then and they're on sort of doing that at a high standard, not a lot of teams can, can live with them. Yeah. Um, and you, you guys, if you haven't seen it, go and watch the highlights and see Kuran Drani's try which ultimately won it for Australia. It is the most outrageous piece of sort of gymnastics to get the ball down when his whole body seems like it's out of the out of the pitch. It's really amazing. We'll tweet about it later on uh, so you guys can have a look at that. It's really worth mm. hunting down. Um, Ireland couldn't do the double over New Zealand, but they put in another pretty um, impressive performance and it looks like their pack was able to front up and it looks like they're going to be a really like dominating force coming into the Six Nations next year. Yeah, watching that game, I think New Zealand are the only team in the world that could have stopped Ireland from scoring Yeah, against any other team, even England. I think Ireland were putting two or three tries mm. past them, and just the New Zealand defence inside their own 22 was <laughs> beyond yeah. human. There was quite a lot of sort of criticism in the press today from, from a few corners saying that New Zealand was obviously a very physical game, but actually went a bit too far, and you sort of saw... Henshaw getting stretched off, um, Fekato with quite a high tackle. Do you think that was part of the game plan to sort of be a bit over the top slightly, get her, you know, play right on the edge? I'm not sure. I think with that Sam, I think with the Sam Kane tackle and Henshaw, I think Henshaw wasn't fully upright. I think it's one of those ones where it's just a bit unlucky, and these things will happen mm. in rugby. I do think New Zealand knew they couldn't get bullied. They did get slightly bullied in that last yeah, game. Yeah, so they probably yeah. did come in knowing that they weren't going to sort of yeah. let off. Yeah. And um, bringing back Whitelock and Retallick sort of yeah. answers yeah. that quite big sort of upfront question that they were maybe... Physicality, yeah. sorted out the set piece that was in an area last week. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Ireland, the Six Nations, looking mighty tasty. Yeah, I have to say, Ireland, Ireland and England coming into it. Well, that's going to be a good game. Our opening, our opening match of the Six Nations is against Ireland at Murrayfield, so that's going to be a huge test for us to see if we can uh, break our ridiculously long duck of uh, losing the first game of Six Nations. <laughs> I'm not sure how long that's been going on for, but yeah. uh, let's say um, a decade at least. Um, the only other one really worth uh, note, England-Fiji. England smashed Fiji. I don't think there's much you can no. take out of it. Fiji were just sort of playing basketball at times and just sort of mucking around, it seemed to me. Yeah. And Japan nearly beat Wales. Japan nearly... Oh, yes, yeah. of course. Japan nearly beat Which Wales. Which would have been the best thing ever. Oh, oh God. It would that have been was, so that was a very good match, actually. Japan are a hell of a side. Um, I just don't think they're used to being in that position. So they made a few mistakes at crucial crucial moments. Um, and Wales, yeah, looking a bit ropey at the moment. So yeah. I think we should feel quite confident taking them on in the in the next Six Nations. Yeah. And I think it's, it's now a big one with the world rankings. If you look on our Twitter feed, guys, we've put the sort of current world rankings we are seventh Wales are sixth and with Wales sort of current form if we can pick up that win against them that's going to do an awful lot for um for our sort of position obviously trying to maintain that top eight slot 
before the World Cup draw in May. Um, so I think that's going to be a big one for us to target actually going forward with maybe Ireland and uh, England being maybe a bridge too far. Mm. But you never know. Yeah, but in terms of quality, all those games paled in comparison <laughs> to <laughs> the game of Murrayfield. Yeah. It was awful, wasn't it? We'll get, let's get cracked into that then. So, Matt, I'll come to you if that is all right first to have a look at our, our first question. What did we learn amid this sort of dreary, mistake-ridden um, uh, performance, but ultimate victory against Argentina? Yeah, I think in terms of the performance side of things, we learned very little. I mean, last week there was a there was a direction to our play, there was a structure, there was a pattern. You could see what we were trying to do in attack, and you know, besides maybe a, a few examples in the Argentina game, we just we couldn't get a platform, we couldn't apply that. So, I think performance-wise, you just sort of try and move on and not take too much away from it. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think that it, it could actually be quite an important stepping stone going forward in terms of the sort of mentality of the team that, you know, in, in previous years, I think a lot more fragile Scotland team mentally would have would have lost that or maybe even settled yeah. for the draw. So I think that winning it actually could be really, really important. So I think I think that for me, that's maybe what we've learned that sort of the mentality is a bit better. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Hopefully. There we mean, go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in terms of mentality, I I would prefer that they were able to play their game semblance of game plan for eighty minutes. I just But we lost last week. Yeah, but I'm I think I was much happier after last week than I was this Yeah, week. that's an interesting question. Matt, you don't seem to be, you're happier with the win, Alan, you you were happier with last week's performance. I, I'm I'm a bit of both. Like I, I do I totally understand Alan's point, but I still think at the end of the day, this is a results business and we won. So Yeah, I, I, I'm minded to back, back Matt on that one. I think in terms of our question, which is what did we learn? I think we learned that our worst fears about our scrum going backwards against the big Argentinian um, pack, they came true. I think we learned that Johnny Gray is um, really class. He's making his tackles and his mm. carries again. I think we learned that Hugh Jones is the real deal. Just that little bit of class to, to, to set Sean Maitland free for that for that try and we learned that we still can't do restarts and we never will be apparently <laughs> yeah well just one thing on that sort of winning ugly thing i get it in the six nations and i get it in the world cup winning ugly sometimes it's got to be done you know you don't always execute well but in these games that i know there's ranking points but to be perfectly honest they don't really matter we should be building to the Six Nations. I feel like that's a step backwards, that game. I, I, I'm, I think Matt's point about the mental fragility, we came through and we, we won it. I think the composure shown by um, uh, Finn Russell in the closing sort of 10 minutes was actually very poor. I think the way in which we were structuring the, the drop goals, which never were, I think we were just not used to being in that sort of position where we were building uh, phases and phases and setting up a drop goal for the win. Um, I didn't think that came across and we actually got lucky about it. I mean, the penalty was completely bonkers from Argentina um, to give away. I mean, it's, yeah. it was absolutely mental. We got quite lucky. Whereas against Australia, we put together five minutes of phase play and then ultimately made the mistake. So I take a lot of heart from the fact that we did eventually get over the line. And hopefully that um, will be a learning process for Finn, um, who I thought actually had a pretty poor game by his standards. Um, but... 
I'm, I'm happy with the win. I'm happy that we're seventh in the world. And I think um, for me, yes, the Six Nations is very important, but I'd like to be in that top eight uh, draw for the, for the World Cup as well. So I do think that the ranking points matter. Matt, anything else to add? No, I, I agree. Um, yeah, go, just going back to your points on, on what we learned, um, I, I think that on, on top of that, yeah, restarts, I, just, I, don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand what the solution is because surely after the Australia game, they practice them you know, on the training pitch for ages. Um, I, I don't understand. I don't know what the solution is to that. Um, I thought a few other things. I thought that um, Magnus Bradbury did very well on his debut. Yeah, uh, I think he showed up really well. He did a few good carries and I just think as well he sort of um, showed up quite well just doing the bits of the, the nitty gritty bits. He was diving on loose balls and that sort of thing. Um, I thought Hamish Watson again on his second cap was, was very good. He sort of seems as if he can stand toe to toe with these with these big packs. Um, so that was positive. Yeah. Backs-wise, I just don't think they got much of a chance to show what they could do. Hugh Jones, as you said, a little bit of magic to sort of loosen up the game. Um, but it's quite hard to judge, I think. So, I, yeah, I, I agree. That those, and Johnny Gray was, was immense again. Let me sort of remove my cloak of negativity. There's a real cloak. <laughs> it's a real dark cloak. A real thick cloak that I've been wearing uh, this afternoon. And say, I think it's a team performance it's very hard to take away positives. But I think there are specific individuals that we've highlighted who definitely definitely sort of um, added added to their reputation. And I think Bradbury, great first game against Argentina. I don't think you can ask for much more from a 21-year-old having his debut at Murrayfield. Hamish Watson, again, I thought was really, really solid, if unspectacular. Mm. Uh, Barkley, another solid shift. And actually, Hugh Jones, sometimes in those games, what he did with that sort of step, handoff, and then offload, they win you those games. Yeah, yeah, and that, that was out of nowhere. Yeah, um, and I think that was really great to see. And I actually thought in the second half that Hogg was starting to kind of liven up a little bit. Mm, he started to get mm. a bit more space. Um, and I still think he showed, he showed that he's got his world class. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I think if I can actually don your cloak of negativity for a little bit, just borrow it. I thought it was a very poor game from Laidlaw and Russell in terms of actually driving the team forward. I think they turned over the ball quite a lot or gave it away through loose kicking. I think the actual stats tell you that Laidlaw made three turnovers um, or gave away three turnovers, should I say. Finn gave away a couple. And I just think when you've got your 9 and 10 making mistakes like that, that's very, very difficult for your, for everyone else to sort of get on a, on a decent platform. But in positivity, um, we played chiefly in the correct areas. I think we won the territory battle sort of 65-35, um, um, which was really, really impressive. And I agree, I, I'd like to say Hamish Watson, I think is really, really showing his class at this level. And he looks like a proper 70s Scotland player with that moustache. So I'd like to see him keeping that. <laughs> um, I thought he looked like... Was as good as Dunbar's, though? No, Dunbar's Ru- was really Ru- Russell's good. Russell's was good as well, actually. There was actually some yeah. good moves um, on show. And I think Bradbury, again, um, to reiterate what you guys have been saying, I thought he was class for the 50 minutes that he was, he was on the park. How, how do you think that back rule... I know, obviously, Australia and Argentina have quite good back rules, but it's not sort of world-class. Looking at... England and Ireland, Ireland, Sean O'Brien, CJ Stander and Jamie Heaslip. England, maybe with Nathan Hughes, Vunapola and Rob Shaw. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I, I yeah. that that's an issue, and I think that we talked about it last week as well. Not having a big, a big number eight is something yeah. we probably struggled with for for quite a while, really. And I think those guys could, you know, they could tackle them and they'd be able to cope with them. But you could see those three losing the game line battle quite a lot against, you know, the likes of Stander and and Vunipola, who you can contain, yeah. but it sort of takes you two or three men. Yeah, and we don't really have that. We, yeah, we are quite lightweight. They are sort of all the yeah. Fetcher style, which. Mm. Um, I suppose is an advantage in some respects, but I think in terms of getting that go forward ball um, might be an issue for us, particularly yeah. if our scrum's going is going to continually be going backwards. I mean, I want obviously we talked about it quite a lot in last week's pod, but Fagerson and Dell kind of showing up a little bit this week. We were getting a very poor platform from the scrum, and Fagerson got hooped after um, fifty minutes, which. Uh, mm. And then we get Murray Lowe coming on, who's just as bad at scrummaging, but he's much worse than loose. So it's not, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's much of a, a, of a solution. I think, yeah. but I think we, we've got to talk to to death. I think we need D- Nell and Dickinson back, and then we've got two very good yeah. sort of um, guys off the bench. And you, you hope with a bit more experience that that Ferguson and Dell will sort of become the next Nell and Dickinson. But, yeah. I mean, you, you're saying that obviously Laidlaw and Russell had pretty poor games, but. In, in their defence, I think the platform that the forwards gave them at the set piece, even the line-out was... Argentina competed very well at the line-out, you know, an area where we particularly, we've typically got really good quality of ball. Um, but we, we didn't seem to be that sort of clear at the breakdown as well. And I just think we, we had such poor poor ball for those guys in, in their defence. But, um, yeah, the scrum was a bit, of a, a bit of a worry. I think that there were signs that... Um, Ferguson's a bit wet behind the ears from last week and sort of really got shown up yesterday. Yeah. But again, I thought he put in a pretty spirited um, performance in the loose and Dell had a couple of decent um, probing runs in the loose as well. I mean, I think it is what we talked about last week. They need to get the experience and hopefully that that sort of experience against Argentina is, is really good for them in the, in the long run. Can we just chat about Laidlaw? For one second, I, I, I want to talk about that. We need to talk about because Greek. <laughs> we can we can give all these excuses that he was on the back foot, the scrum was going backwards. I don't know. The ball wasn't being presented clearly enough. But he's met, he's he's captain and he's our like, most experienced player. He's not some sort of like fresh newbie. And I feel like a he should be able to compete in those circumstances it's not like he's not used to it yeah and he should be the one that's dictating play yeah I mean I think for me it was one of those days which you hope become less and less frequent he was doing that sort of half step and pass that he sometimes does when it's like the ball's a little bit slower it's not the sort of like ridiculous sort of pace of ball that you see like the likes of Aaron Smith Mm -hmm. or Connor Mm -hmm. Murray generating which is straight from the base and straight away quickly like it was hands on ball, look up, half a step, and then away. And that was enough to give Argentina's defence uh, to get up and put loads of pressure on Finn. Yeah. And uh, I think that was really, I think it was a, a poor game from Laidlaw, but he made his kick right at the end there, and uh, we can thank yeah. him for that, I suppose. I mean, that's that's a difficult thing, that if you do drop him, who who's going to take those sort of pressure kicks? And Finn Russell. He's not as good a goal kicker, though. Stuart Hogg? Sure, Hogg can bang over the long ones, but he's not—he's not a recognised, consistent goal kicker. No, yeah. I, I still, to be fair, like I, I didn't think Laidlaw had a big good game, but what nine in the world would have a good game when your scrum's getting absolute bollocks? So is your lineout, and the the breakdown was just so messy. I I think it's a bit harsh to say that he's 
you're not playing that well. I, I think I, I totally get the point about him taking the little sideways steps, which I think that's his style when we're going forward. And that can work if you've got quick ball and those sideways steps are keeping the inside defence honest. But when you've got slow ball, I think it's sort of, it's a real issue. It's fine. He was Sunday Times man of the match. So yeah, the start, the start. <laughs> I mean, sun, the Sunday s- Times, what rugby correspondent, Stephen Jones. Yeah. So, <laughs> it I, mean, I don't want to give it too much credence. It, it, was, it was written by a guy who was at Murrayfield yesterday, actually, but they only gave it sort of three paragraphs, to be honest. It wasn't much of it. I saw it right deserves, that. to be fair. Yeah, um, exactly. Well, if there's nothing else on uh, on that, should we have a look forward to um, to Georgia? Yeah. Who managed to pick up a win against Samoa and um, possibly somewhat ominously for um, Scotland, given our front row issues. There are two tries that they score. One was from a pushover scrum, uh, dotted down by the number eight. And the uh, the other one was from a penalty try given uh, just before the number eight was able to dot down uh, due to a pushover scrum. So um, what do we hope to learn um, next weekend, Alan, against uh, Georgia? So I think the key for me is Finn Russell. And I think we thought he had a good game against Australia. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. I think we've all agreed that he's relatively poor. And the one thing we can't do against Georgia is get stuck in a forwards orientated battle. Mm. And I think him and Laidlaw need to make sure that we dictate this game yeah. on our terms. I, I agree, and it's amazing. Matt will take us through this in a second, actually. It's amazing the sort of the dearth in, and the difference in quality between Georgia's um, players 1 to 9 and then 10 to 15 at the levels they're playing at. Matt, do you want to sort of take us through the, 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 this is the starting team against yeah. Samoa? Well, I mean, I think the fact that a lot of these guys do play in France even further afield, that they are a bit of an unknown quantity, um, even to you know knowledgeable guys like ourselves. But obviously, Mamuka Gorgodze, the... the the big sort of man mountain that plays Toulon, who's the, the Georgian captain, is sort of the one that a lot of people will know about. Um, you know, he is a truly world class player. Um, and you, but you look through the forwards and the teams that the, the players are representing. It's it's Montpellier, it's Toulon, uh, Montpellier again, Clermont. Um, on the bench, there's there's a couple of Toulon guys as well. So, and there's a lot of big front row players that we would probably really kill for. Um, so that's quite sort of a big issue. Um, but, but you look at the backs, and with the exception of the, the nine, Vasil Lobzanidze, who plays for Brieve in the top 14, you've got, you got guys playing you know, regional French rugby, um, some guys playing for Lelo Saracens Tbilisi in the Georgian Big Ten. 
which I think is probably one of the best names for a league in Europe, <laughs> um, and even in the Russian Super League. So, yeah, the, the kind of contrast is, is quite um, amazing. I suppose it sort of, sort of shows that Georgia based their team around you know, those yeah. big, meaty forwards. Yeah, no, this sort of this is the sort of obviously the third the third match of ours. We've had our two big tests, you'd say, which we were obviously wanting to to get results out of. This third one, um, obviously, been played up at Rugby Park in Kilmarnock, which is good to get the Scotland team traveling a little bit to get people coming in and watching this. And I hope it's a big success up there. But is this an opportunity for Scotland to get a win, get a big win, and be happy with that, or should we be looking at this as a development fixture in which we bring in some uh, some younger guys and, and give them a chance at an international level? What do you reckon? I just don't know what young guys there are to bring in. <laughs> Yeah, there's Blair Kinghorn, but I think you want to keep Hogg in the team. But K- Kinghorn's not even in the squad. Yeah, but Bradbury wasn't in the squad. He was training though with the squad. Was Kinghorn not? Kinghorn wasn't invited to train. Ah, got so, you. Yeah, but this I just can't even think of any. You've got Jamie Ritchie, but you're not going to bring him into that back row that's already. I think he's quite far down the pecking order now. Even at Edinburgh, he's he's been playing for Barmere now. Yeah, um, and I, I just don't think there's anyone at Glasgow that you could bring in. So I think we're probably going to have to stick with the same team. There's not really anyone else that you can bring in um, to kind of bl- blood. Yeah, um, I suppose with Ferguson and Dell already in there, Bradbury already playing. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah, Hugh Jones is a young guy as well. Like, a, and, I mean, what are you guys hoping for from this? I mean, is there is there much even to gain for Scotland, really? Because... If we perform well yeah. and beat them, it's only Georgia. But if we sort of, I mean, God forbid we lose. Um, but if we scrape a win, do we just take the win in two out of three in the autumn series? Or do we really need a big performance? I think first and foremost, we need a win. I actually think, secondly, a big performance. And if we can put 20 or 30 points on a team like Georgia, which if we're talking about beating teams like Wales and France and Ireland and England on our good days... We can't be getting. Um, we can't just be scraping by against teams like Georgia. I think to maintain the upward trajectory that I think this Scotland team is on, and that sort of momentum and the enthusiasm that I think they deserve, I think we need to be beating them by twenty points, and that would be a good result for us. Obviously, a loss is um, apocalyptic. I think is would be the words I'm going to I'm going to use. I'm really worried. I'm honestly really worried because I think you're right it's hard for us to really take that much positives out of this game unless we win by 30-40 points it's at Rugby Park I can just so skinny football grounds I can see Georgia bringing us into this heavily forwards orientated game mauling scrumming sort of all off, off the base of the mm. rock. Yeah. And I think we discussed a few weeks back, Georgia have beaten Samoa. They're lo- they've won the Six Nations B League three years in a row. This is their big game to prove that they belong with the, not yeah. so much the Englands, but with the Scotlands and the Italys yeah. and the Samoas and the Fijians. Yeah. Mm. I, I agree. And I, I'm worried that we tend to get drawn down to like the lowest common denominator. Like when we're playing Italy every year in the Six Nations, we typically get drawn down to that sort of arm wrestling um, fight. And I'm worried that on the skinny pitch in Kilmarnock 
against a massive pack and maybe we're just a little bit jittery because we know that if we lose it's such bad news mm. that we just regress um, which is slightly worrying yeah I mean the thing is you, you do look at I think we can get parity with the forwards if you've got parity maybe not dominating them and if you get an okay platform to unleash the back our backs are 15 times better than theirs you know yeah you can get those guys into the game get Seymour Hogg etc sounds like Hugh Jones might be injured but you know you can get likes of maybe Bennett coming in on on the front foot a bit then um you know but we never know but uh, last last time Scotland played Georgia they've only they've only met they've only played once I, I know the answer to this because I've looked over your shoulder. Was it in uh, it's good. No, it was in the 2011 Rugby World Cup at Invercargill in New Zealand. Oh, we, we won. We won 15-6. Oh, <laughs> five penalties from the legend that was Dan Parks. Dan Parks. Oh, my God. I, I, I could see a score like that again. Just uh, one point on motivation. I know for sort of international rugby players, they should sort of be able to bring their own motivation to games, but... What is the motivation for Scotland rugby players? In the Australia game, it was sort of avenging the quarterfinal um, defeat. Mm. Yep. In the Argentina game, kind of coming off that Australia win, yeah. sorry, loss. I just feel like I can just see a lot of the players coming into this not fully with their head in the game. Yeah, I can as well. I, I disagree. I think that it's not like you're playing you know, a really weak side that you expect to beat by loads maybe i'm thinking of a sort of a canada or usa uh, this is going to be a hard game and i think that will be drilled into them yeah. know, since the start of the series and i think that it won't have been seen as a banker at all so and i think ultimately the motivation just not to lose to georgia will be quite quite a big thing i, I don't think they'll be taking it for granted at all quick prediction win for me scotland win by 10 uh, I'll be a little bit more bullish, I think, by 15. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. Hopefully. Scotland by four. Oh! Four! <laughs> uh, that's fair. I, thought you, I think you were going to say a loss there. A nine-five. Nine, 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 <laughs> um, yeah. I'm, I'm not that negative. Three three penalties from Laidlaw and a penalty drive from Georgia. A penalty drive pushing over, yeah. yeah. Scrum. Uh, well, we will wait and see, and we will be back. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk to you guys, hopefully after another... Another great win. Um, and anything else we want to sort of clear off on the on the sort of yesterday or the Georgia game before we move on? No, I think yeah. we're in pretty good shape. I actually have one point to raise. Does anyone else have an issue with Grant Gilchrist wearing a red scrum cap? <laughs> I've got a bit of an, a bit of a thing with it. The ref pinged it. They didn't ping him for it, but he shouted directly at Grant Gilchrist at one point yesterday, saying, "Red scrum hat, really? hands off." Really. So there you go, there's an issue of someone who's sort of at the dark hearts and the sort of cold face of, uh, of the ruck and um, getting ping, getting yeah. sort of like easily identified. And also, surely you should just wear a blue one. We play, in, know, we play in blue. Yeah, I, d I don't know. Maybe it's, I think he's a Sterling County boy, so maybe it's sort of a homage to, to that. But um, maybe. Speaking of, sorry, speaking of second rows, I think we need to get that stat out about Johnny Gray. Oh, yeah. Which since, um, since his Scotland debut... So he's made 23 starts in the past few years. He's made 328 tackles and he's only missed six. I mean, that is wow. absolutely unbelievable. I wonder if that's ever been bettered by anyone. Proper, that's, proper dog. That's quite quite extraordinary. I think, again, he proved himself, proved his way. Do we think, early uh, talk about it, do we think he can get a Lions nod? 
Oh, <laughs> oh no. I, just, I, th him. I think on any other tour, maybe he would, but it's just such a competitive field yeah, out there with the, with the English it? boys. And Is it five second rows? I don't, I don't know because how many will go. If you think Wayne Jones is going to go. Yeah, maybe he's captain. Itoji is going to go. Yep. Cruz. George Cruz is going to go. And Lodgebury is playing out of his skin. Yeah. So that is four second rows right there that I think would be Doesn't picked. take into account Devin Toner. Well, Ian, Ian Henderson, Ian you could play at five or six, who's a brilliant yeah. player, even though he's injured. Um, yeah. yeah. I, think he, I think I would take him ahead of Laws. I think he's a better player than Laws. And he offers a bit more. And he, I think he's better than... I think he's better than Charteris than the other Welsh locks, but I just think he might get squeezed out, unfortunately. I think he's playing as well as he could play. I think at the moment, he is the fifth pick. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll have to wait and see how he comes through the uh, comes through the Six Nations. And uh, I, hope, I hope he does go. I think he's done enough, but it is the most competitive position on the park, probably, for getting picked on the... Uh, on the Lions tour at the moment. Absolutely. But that is stuff to look forward to. Now we're going to sort of step back away from that and sort of look a bit more broadly at the, um, at the Scotland rugby setup and talk about project players. Now we know, obviously, we've got um, a, a policy of sort of scouring the globe for um, New Zealanders, South Africans um, that we can find to come over to, um, to, to Scotland and then do the three years of residency and, uh, and play. And we've had some success with it. There's been an awful lot of talk of whether that needs to become a five-year residency period. Um, and also, we've heard, having conversations with people that we know that are playing for Scotland or in and around the sort of Edinburgh and Glasgow teams, there is a bit of discontent with players who have just sort of tipped up and never played a club game and gone straight into the Scotland setup. I'll name John Hardy on that when he went straight into the World Cup squad without having, having playing a game. I mean, what do we think? Do we think it's overall good because it raises the overall standard of Scotland or do we think it's bad because it doesn't allow the development we need for our own youngsters? I instinctively think it's a bad thing but from the player's perspective seeing how much money you can get playing at international level now and also for someone like John Hardy if he hadn't made that move he was spending the rest of his career playing in front of 15,000 people in Dunedin, whereas now he plays 12 games a year in front of 70,000, 80,000 people, which for a player must be such a huge mm. thing. Yeah, definitely. Matt? Yeah, I mean, and just carrying on with the example of John Hardy, you know, he's been very good for Scotland and he clearly never gives anything but his all um, for Edinburgh as well. Um I, I think that they should change the, the residency requirements and make it at least five years because I just think it, there is something that sort of leaves a bit of a sour taste in the mouth, particularly for the existing Scottish players who've come up through the system for you know, the likes of John Hardy. When, when Hugh Blake came over and he, he hadn't played higher than the ITM Cup in New Zealand and he, he's getting a cap right away... I'd, I just don't. I don't think that's right. I mean, the Hugh Blake one in particular, he got his cap and now he didn't get picked for the World Cup squad and now he's gone away again. He's mm. sort of almost tail between his legs back to uh, back to where he came from. And it, that, I think, in that example, really devalues the jersey, mm. um, which I, I don't think is, is a good thing at all. Um, but then again, WP now has been incredible for us and has really changed the fortune of a, of a position where we have really, really struggled. And having somebody like him in the setup who can bring through these youngsters and advise them and sort of mentor them, is that a good thing for the longer term? It's 
I think yes. Yeah? I honestly do. Mm. And I, but I think moving it to five years is probably the correct thing to do. Because it makes it a much bigger decision, mm. I think, than three yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I don't... I think on the whole, Scotland, as a, as a national team, discounting sort of Edinburgh, where I think maybe it has actually harmed Edinburgh as a team. But I think Scotland as a team has benefited, and the Scotland players have benefited from those players coming over. Yeah, I could see that, actually. Do you guys also just think it is the world in which we live in? It is a th- there is a three-year residency cap. England have been doing it for, for years. Ireland have been very successful bringing through a series of South Africans... Mm-hmm. Um, in recent years, um, and is it just what would France seem to pick up these Pacific Islanders now uh, at very young ages, bring them over, spend mm. an awful lot of money in the top 14, and we should just be doing it because that is the game in which we play? Well, and I think there's also the context that we hardly have any playing numbers. So, yeah. you know, when, when it is, a, and we're not a particularly, you know, a country that genetically breeds, for example, big, big players. So, somewhere like the front row. It's something that we probably we struggle in. So from from that side of things, I I totally get it. Um, I mean, you do at the same time have Sean Lenin, I think for a while was sort of a dedicated relocation officer or a scouting officer going around trying to find players, and um, he managed to bring a player to Stu Mel once when I was still playing this hooker that everyone got very excited about. He had a Scottish granny, to be fair. It wasn't it wasn't actually a full on project player, but he pitched up. And he was an absolute joke. He was a terrible, <laughs> he's a terrible athlete, and I think they realised the mistake quite quickly. To be fair, I think he's sort of been languishing in stumel thirds. Um, but yeah, I agree. It's the world that we live in. The rules are there. We didn't make up the rules. We're not. We're not breaking them. Um, and we're probably getting better as a as a result. It it's sort of the purest form of capitalism. <laughs> Normally, you sell a skill. But now you just sell your national identity <laughs> on the open market to the highest bidder. Uh, yeah, like you're right. I, I, there's something about it that I do find unsettling. There is something about watching your country play throughout your childhood, dreaming of playing for that team, yeah. and then getting to wear that shirt that still is part of, sort of the rugby ethos, yeah. the sort of amateur sort of. I think rugby still does yeah. have some, some yeah. sort of amateurish about it. And yeah. I feel like this takes away from that quite significantly. And I think just going back to the, the three-year ruling, if it's like even 10 years, then I think that I can get that because someone could have lived in a foreign country and fully sort of feel themselves French. I remember actually when, um, you know, Scott Spedding, the French fullback, yeah. he's from South Africa. Yeah. There's a really good video actually you can find online of when he got announced that he was... He lived in France for a long, long time, about 10 years, his whole rugby career, really. Um, he got, he found out that he got named in the France squad and he was in tears. You know, it was a, it was a proper sort of, I think, that he properly felt French. So yeah. if, if it was that far, then I, I wouldn't begrudge these people. But I just think three years, someone like Cornel Dupree, who's been called into the squad, and him singing the, the national anthem, Flower Scotland, having to learn it, like, at home, I just, I just think that there's something not quite right about that. Yeah, no, I think you're correct. Um, it, it's such a complicated issue. And <laughs> I think with any solution, there's going to be negatives. Yeah. Um, and I just, I don't know whether you look at it from a sort of country national perspective where I think you would push it up to five, mm. six years, or whether you look at it like Nathan Hughes said, he has a family, 
and family comes first. Yeah. And earning £22,000 a game to play for England is so significant for him mm. and his family back in Fiji. Well, it's, it sounds as if from all the stuff that's come out this week about the Fijian payment that that money isn't just going to his immediate family, it's going to pretty much his whole village or you know, yeah. his immediate or sort of his yeah. extended family in Suva or something. And, you know, with the South Africans as well playing in Scotland, the, the Rand's, you know, an absolute joke at the moment. Like, your, your rugby career is short and I, I, I sort of don't begrudge anyone um, making the most of the financial opportunities. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm broadly supportive of it. I think five years is probably the, the step that should should be taken. Um, I think it has raised the standard of, of our national team in key areas which we were struggling to fill. So I think that's a good thing. And if Scotland are getting better, um, the people around them are having to raise their game and it should have a knockdown effect um, on it. But maybe, uh, maybe there should be... I know in Ireland that they restrict the amount of foreign players at the provinces yeah. and in certain positions. Yeah, And maybe that's the sort of route to go down. You know, I think Ulster having to get rid of Ruan Pino this year because... Yeah. He's not Irish qualified. Maybe that is sort of something to consider. Um, although we only have two pro teams. So well, how, 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 about this? <laughs> how about this? You have to commit if you're coming over to doing at least six months in sort of like the BT Premiership one and you actually go and play. Yeah. Or like even lower. Go down and do like go and play like six months at Preston Lodge or something like that. Cal- Caledonia one, get a, a lovely trip up to Orkney for your sins. Orkney away, yeah. You just get a portion to a team and you're sent out. <laughs> yeah, that is your. That's it's, you a, it's, do- a, it's a draft system. That, so. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's yeah. you doing. That's you doing your time at Mar or White Craigs <laughs> or Murrayfield Wanderers or something like that. Yeah, there is those stories of Josh Strauss turning up at Stirling County basically having no idea where he was <laughs> or who he's meant to be playing yeah, against that yeah, day. Yeah. And I think there is something a bit wrong about that. I mean, it would be farcical, but it would be quite enjoyable to, yeah. to, get, <laughs> to get these people together. I just love I don't remember looking back to the World Cup, there's all those stories about WP now being asked about how much it meant to him to single flyer of Scotland. <laughs> and he said to the interviewer, you obviously don't know very much about me. <laughs> So to, be, to be fair to him, that's a great. He could have given a, you know, he could have yeah. given a real bull, you know, yeah, answer. Fair, fair play to him. I think so, but that, that does sort of as as three failed players that never quite made it to that level. You know, it's uh, the sort of the passion of the jersey that that Alan was alluding to. That sort of stings a little bit, I think. But um, hey, if we're getting better, I'm not entirely against it. Five years, I think, is probably the best step for us. Yeah. Um, so yeah, moving on to um, our special segment every week where uh, we have a look inside the betting markets and try and win you guys some money. This is Alan's Sure Thing. Hi guys, and welcome to Alan's Sure Thing. As you heard earlier, if you put your money on the tasty Sure Thing from last week of a Scotland-Australia double, you would have seen a nice little 100% payout we've got another nice little double for you this week. We're looking at Ireland-South Africa double. Think, thinking uh, Ireland still looking strong, Australia looking tired after a long rugby championship. This is now their fourth game of the November series. I think Ireland will have too much for them in Dublin. And also, I think South Africa coming off that loss in Italy are gonna be fired up. I don't think they're as bad as that result. Um, shows and I think Wales v Japan I really think Wales look really poor and I actually think that with 
without uh, Gatland, they're lacking a lot of direction in their play, and I think South Africa will come out of top, come out on top of the Millennium Stadium. No long thing this week, just a sure thing. Thanks a lot for that, Alan. That sounds like another, another, another good one. Do you really think that um, South Africa are going to be worse? Yes. Okay. Cool, Matt. Do you? <laughs> I really want them to. I really want them to. <laughs> I really enjoy that would be the ultimate. That I would mean that Italy should be Wales. So Wales have a really poor record against South Africa. Yeah, it's awful. Uh, against and all the the sort of Tri Nations guys, don't they? Yeah, and without Falatau, and I don't know who they're going to be playing at ten next week. I think uh, they might give. Oh, is bigger fit or has he just been rested? I think might be bigger. Sam Davies guys looking quite quite a good wee prospect, but I don't think it's a game to be chucking in relatively green players they'll, yeah. they'll stick to the tried and tested play their older conservative guys thanks a lot for coming along again uh to the thistle we are really having a great time making it we hope you guys are uh enjoying it you can pick us up on um itunes and the acast app leave us a five-star review please and we won't be read you out next week um you can also follow us on twitter please do that it's at thistle rugby pod but for another week i'm gonna say goodbye alan Goodbye. Matt. Cheerio, guys. Thanks a lot, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.